Welcome to the star news segment for the waning moon leading up to the new moon eclipse in Libra on October the 14th. These episodes are short and sweet looks at the major events in our cosmic weather, with some cards pulled for the community to help us ground these energies through the archetypes of the tarot, and they come out every new moon and full moon for the lunation after. Please do check out the main podcast that comes out every Thursday for captivating conversations about topics of interest to cosmic witches and friends. And if you are in business, I also talk about cosmic witchcraft in the context of business on my blog and on Substack, where I have a monthly newsletter for the podcast out on the 19th of every month for the upcoming astrological season. And you can find all the links in the show notes. Also, I don't bite unless we have that kind of relationship. So do say hi if you're new or if you have been around a while. I love to hear from you all. Now, on to the order of the day. If you are listening after 11am UK time, we just had the full moon in Aries, which is close to Chiron in the sign of the self, which is Aries. So it has a strong theme of our sense of personal sovereignty, in tension with the demands of collaboration and relationships that comes from the sun in Libra, at the opposite end of the axis. This vibe is going to stay with us for a little while longer Later in the day, we have Venus in a square with Uranus, and tomorrow it'll be Mercury in a trine with Uranus, uh, and then with the Sun in Libra. In the first of these transits, uh, she's going to ask us to take a look at our relationships and whether the people in our lives and how we relate to them are in service of our highest good. Mercury will be a key player from the 30th to the 5th when it enters Libra at 1.09am UK time. First we have the trine that I just mentioned, then an opposition with Neptune on the 2nd and then a trine with Pluto on the 3rd. Collectively, if you have any Mercury or third house themes relevant to your life right now, this is a time you want to look at magical workings and practical action. The trine with Uranus is timed at 5.55pm UK time and it's a time of taking risks and shaking things up that have become stagnant. The opposition to Neptune is a fantastic time to look inwards and connect with whatever we're connecting to. Ourselves are the versions of ourselves, actual spirits, deities, who knows what the liminal truly is and what's out there. You know your beliefs, but if you're here I can expect you to at least believe in some definition of magic, and so this is a good day for going inwards. Finally, the trine with Pluto is also for me a time to look inwards, although I can think of at least two astrologers who'd say it's a time for powerful communication, so go negotiate contracts and whatnot. Look, 
not to be an Orizama who thinks she has all the answers, but I have Pluto conjunct the Ascendant. So if there is one planetary energy I have studied with a fine tooth comb, that's the one. If you want to go manipulate folks in Libra season, be my guest. But I think the power of this transit is in bringing forth the deeper themes of the 8th house and Scorpio and the things that Pluto rules, which are a lot. And I have a whole episode on Hades in season 2 if you want to check it out for a deep dive into connecting with the underworld. Mercury? as the energy that rules the intellect and logic and communication can help us make sense of things that can be a bit murky. It's a good time for deep philosophical explorations with people whose brains are primed for such an exploration. Go to therapy, do shadow work, past life regressions, what works for you to understand yourself and the world a little bit better. Maybe prepare for Scorpio season if you want to do some more intense work, which will benefit from being done over an extended period of time. Finally, for Mercury, the shift into Libra is going to be a good energy. Mercury rules an air sign and uh, in Gemini, which makes Libra a comfortable place to be in since it's yet another air sign and one with some duality to it to boot. It's a good diplomatic placement if it's your natal one, although it has the potential shadow of being on one hand too people pleasing and accommodating and on the other end being a bit of a devil's advocate, seeing things from all sides and becoming a bit indecisive. So be careful how much you want to embody that archetype and most importantly, in what way. The next day to mark in your calendar is the 9th when the lovers Mars and Venus are both in significant transits within a few minutes of each other, just after 2am UK time. Mars square with Pluto first giving us a good opportunity to act on the exploration of the previous Pluto transit. And it's not as fiery as it could have been with any other signs involved. After all, Pluto is in its final days retrogrades in Capricorn, with Mars in Libra, which is considered the sign of his dressment in Hellenistic astrology. I don't think it's quite as bad as those interpretations, because air is still a masculine sign, and in alchemy, air is a life-giving force and a gateway to connect with our sexual energy and our passions and desires in broader terms. And it brings insights and new perspectives and quite literally brings things to life. And I'm fairly positive. I talked about it when we had the ingression, unless I'm mistaking something I wrote for my book instead of something I said in the podcast. But if we look at the mythology and think about how Libra is assigned, ruled by his lover, it's hard to contextualize the doom and gloom. And that's just my opinion and how I look at magic. It's your job as a sovereign being to think through these questions and find your answers. I love to share the facts so you can be informed and find your beliefs in a fraction of the time but that's the extent of how I see my role in your life through my content. 
I'm not going to want to start a cult where you all agree with what I have to say uncritically just because I said it. I was raised in one and I just can't do dogma anymore. Then, 11 minutes past the hour, Venus will enter Virgo. If you look at this transit, you will find a lot of interpretations about how, if you have it as your natal placement, it makes you an say. But I am passionate about how the significations of Venus go beyond love. However, since the Sun is in her sign of Libra, which means it is highlighting my 11th house, I don't want to discount that either. So, I will say this. Ultimately, a Virgo transit is about raising your standards of yourself and others. It's not about raising them to the extent of perfectionism, which is a poor attempt at control and manipulating circumstances in order to feel worthy. Healthy Virgo energy is the sign that is whole unto herself. It's the Vestal Virgin with a sacred mission, not the maiden waiting for her husband to validate that she is good. And one relationship that Venus is really keen on is the one we have with ourselves. So this is a time to cultivate it and find out what self-love truly means beyond the hallmark style self-care that is in Stabae. The first aspect Venus has in Virgo is an opposition with Saturn on the 10th at 7.10am UK time. Saturn is in Pisces and retrograde and a quick reminder, it's about bringing a dose of realism to our connection to the liminal, which doesn't mean necessarily bringing us down from the clouds in a negative sense, could not only mean taking us out of our limitations by expanding our sense of what is realistic but also if our sense of what's possible is on the dream big side already it may simply mean illuminating the practical ways we can take action to make them manifest into our reality so in this case the aspect being with venus really has a karmic lesson vibe we can mourn and dare i say we should mourn and we should feel our emotions without throwing ourselves a pity party around any topics to do with our themes and then practice some self-compassion. I know that Saturn was the god that ate his children because of a prophecy he was scared of, but then we can see in this role reversal that is at the heart of that myth an echo of the periodic renewal and liberation that are as much themes of Saturn as they are of his son Pluto, as evidenced by what took place in the Saturnalia, but that's a topic for another time. And we also see that in Roman mythology, where one of his mistresses was Lua, a world goddess associated with destruction and dissolution, so there is this strong sense of sacred destruction and coming out from the ashes and we will get more of that vibe on the 13th when mars which will by then be in scorpio will trine saturn and of course mars will be then in domicile if you go by the traditional rulership either as a single ruler or with the co-rulership with the modern planets I don't, but I can see why Mars is comfortable in Scorpio, 
out of all of the water signs. Even if alchemically, it's not an ideal element, but it is either the ruler of the eighth house, where I can see that there's the connection, since Mars is a planet of action, and thus this strong work connotation, the eighth house has power as one of the things it represents. So, yes, I don't think elementally the vibe is there, but a wildfire and a tsunami having a chat will probably understand each other on a fundamental level. So that's how I look at this connection. But of course, one reason I use the modern rulership with all of the planets, even if it makes me unpopular in astrology circles, is that I feel the traditional seven planets have forced the ancients into some mental gymnastics that we don't really have to do anymore and I believe that things can and should evolve. It's one of my traits from my infamous Capricorn Sun being parallel to Saturn and three of the generational planets. I will die on the hill that progress for progress's sake is just as bad as tradition for tradition's sake. There you have it. This transit will begin on the 12th and last until the 24th of November. So we have Mars vibing in the underworld with the Sun as Samhain. But I'm getting ahead of myself, plenty of time to discuss the New Year festivities. But if you want to level up in 2024, you want to plan for a deep dive into your psyche this Scorpio season. Even though looking inwards is a theme of retrogrades and we have Pluto station indirect on the 11th. Still on the 11th at 7.20am UK time, we have the Sun in Libra opposite Chiron in Aries, which is a return of the situation of the full moon that we began with. So any themes that came up then may be circled back over and things may be starting to come into place. But really the vibe for me coming into the eclipse season is to pause the outer work and look inward. But if you are someone who does magic as usual with the eclipses, that's your call as always. I have a whole episode dedicated to the eclipses and we'll follow up with a look at chaos magic at some point too. And the link will be in the show notes if you need the one-on-one on the subject. I like to keep the portal for powerful inner transformation and then not taking action on things other than what has already been initiated in previous transits. Just working on myself so that I can become the kind of person who is a level or two past the person I am now. And for the visual K or Gerald girl is listening, I kid you not, but as I was writing my notes on this topic, the song that came up on Spotify was Hazuki's Phoenix. And it's a great heartbreak song. Uh, to be honest, if you don't speak Japanese, it's just a great song you have no idea what it says but there's a line I've seen variously translated that I love that says something to the extent of how many times have I lost my mind but I live with my heart 
And I think if there is an anthem for what's going on in the sky, this is it. Which brings me to the main event. The moon will have been waning through most of the zodiac, arriving into Libra on the day before the eclipse, with the new moon beginning to watts again at 6.54pm on the 14th UK time. The last quarter has been in Cancer on the 6th of October, so we have a mix of signs of the self and signs of the collective with this dark moon. Notable aspects is that the moon will be conjunct Mercury, as well as the sun, of course, with this lunation. It would take forever to look at all the aspects for the moon alone, which is why I only do it for the main phases. Also, if I give you a rundown of where the planets are over the course of the two weeks, you should be able to piece it together just by looking at your calendar or Astro 6 lists of the day for where the moon is if you don't keep up with the roughly three days movements like I do. Also, some Twitter accounts are dedicated to telling you where the moon is, so it really feels redundant and boring to go into even more depth into the aspects for the moon. Anyway, if your midheaven is at 4 degrees of Virgo, then you also have Venus conjunct at this new moon. So this could be a good time to face some career questions. Although, as I said, depending on your take on magic at eclipses, you may not want to act on that knowledge just yet. It just jumped up to me because it's at the top of the chart for the new moon exact. So I thought I'd mention it. If you have a midheaven in Virgo, then you can check if it applies to you. Also, all the midpoints are in Libra at the time, which is beautifully balanced. It kinda doesn't look like a chart for a time that's about to be chaos, except that some folks are seeing it as conjunct with the south node. But it's five degrees away, so it's not a universal take as if they were literally on top of each other. It is still the case that three planets with the two luminaries, since it's a new moon, so they are conjunct, and Mercury is in Academy, are in the same sign as the south node as we enter this eclipse portal. So the themes of the south node in Libra remain relevant, in my opinion whether or not it is a conjunction. So, eclipse portals initiate karmic events, which you can take to mean in the traditional sense of past life deaths or the results of past actions in this lifetime, and you can take it symbolically too, of course. But it's the south node, so the tendency that are familiar to us and not always healthy, and it's Libra, so relationships are highlighted a lot, even if you don't have it in the 11th house, like I do. So this period can bring new insights into how we act in relationships, patterns of codependency, this sort of thing. And the last eclipse of the portal is the full moon in Taurus on the 28th. So it's not a long time to be not actively practicing spell work, if that's your decision. We won't see more eclipses until March, with five total for 2024, 
if you want to start planning ahead. So plenty of time to act on the insights of this Libra and Scorpio season's portal. Since we have three planets changing signs, I pulled three cards to tie together the archetypes that are affected by those shifts. And I was shuffling to You Only Live Once by Wataru Watano, which some of you may be familiar with as the ending song for Uranus. So with Victor's blessings, we have Temperance, the Eighth of Coins or Pentacles, and the Hierophant. The two measures that both have strong religious connotations in the Western tradition in which they originated, and then a card from the suit that represents the material world sandwich in between them. I can definitely see the Mars transition in this, and Venus in Virgo and Mercury going into Libra to me feel more strongly into pairings rather than all of the three cards respectively Temperance and the Eighth uh, for Venus and Temperance and the Hierophant for Mercury. But in a way, it's just being pedantic because both planets have something that can inform the card that I'm feeling as slightly less connected. So the art in my deck, which I really should get sponsored for because people are buying it because I introduced them to it, it's the Mystical Manga Tarot by Ran and Barbara Moore. It paints the two majors in similar colors. We love white and then blue hues in Temperance and green in the Hierophant. And the two figures we see facing us are lit and visible. Maybe it's my professional bias. For those who don't know, I am a photographer and I also work with personal branding. So I do a lot of work around brands and how things fit together in that way. If you didn't know what I mean by professional bias. But this psychology of colors seems relevant to me, especially in the contrast with the eighth, where we have red and orange hues and the figure is in shadow, with the coins being the ones that take center stage and are lit. And since the eight is a card of mastery of one's craft, of course the emphasis is on the work and not us. There is a sense of proud humility to this card, if you will. You are proud of your creative talent and ability to make things happen, but recognize that it is the work that deserves to be seen and praised. The thing that reflects the vibe of temperance, which is a spiritual kind of balance, and the hierophant uh, in its most positive interpretation, which to me again goes back to the idea that progress for progress's sake is as bad as tradition for tradition's sake. So let's look at the balance between the things that need some sacred destruction and the things that need to be alchemized and transformed and come out on the other side of these two weeks, ready for the phoenix to burn so we can rise from the ashes at the other side of Scorpio season, which will begin in the period we are covering next time I speak to you for Star News. I will, however, speak to you on Main next Thursday with a solo episode diving deeper into art, magic and creativity. Until next time, keep living in wonder.